You're listening to the Brand Builders Podcast with your hosts, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. Welcome to another episode of the award-winning Brand Builders Podcast powered by the Dunstan Group. My name is Brian Young, and we are here with the president of the Dunstan Group, Scott Dunstan. And we are here with Trish Hobson from The Relatives. Now, it's no secret you know, the teen and preteen years can be tough years, you know, and sometimes youth find themselves wanting to just run away from it all. I think we all kind of had that moment when you grew up where you're like, I'm leaving the house. Um, but we also know that that can create a lot of unsafe conditions for children who are vulnerable to crime and trafficking. The Relatives was established in 1974 for that reason. It is a safe place for kids and a safe place for kids where they can go uh, while getting trained to help to work on these issues that can keep them with their families or another safe place. Bottom line, let's keep kids safe. Now, Trish uh, is joining us from the relatives and, and is going to tell us more about the important work that's being done right here in the heart of Dilworth, right on East Boulevard. You've probably drove by their facility multiple times. And now we're going to tell you what's it about, what, what's it like on the inside? What are they doing? How are they supporting our community? How are they supporting kids? And ultimately, what are they going to do to make our community a better place? So we're so excited, Trish. Thank you for joining us on the Brand Builders Podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me um, in that great introduction. Um, so you're right. We started in 1974, and um, we've been there on East Boulevard ever since. I'll tell you a little bit about that story and sort of how we've expanded our services to include more than just that population. But the relatives started, um, the North United Methodist Church started us in 1974. They started seeing a lot of homeless and runaway kids down in Freedom Park, and the kids would make their way up to the church to ask for help. And the church started opening their doors, letting the kids spend the night there, that kind of thing. And um, ultimately, they realized that was not a great long-term solution. So they gifted us that house on East Boulevard that um, is the most recognized piece of property we have by far. Um, and it was, you know, it was made to be a shelter for runaway and homeless youth. So. We, we still serve in that capacity. We have nine beds there for seven to 17 year olds who need a safe place to stay. Um, and oftentimes these kids are running away from home or just as many times their parents are pushing them out of the home for lots and lots of reasons. Also, we have situations where the families might be homeless. So the kids might be staying with us where the parents are, you know, maybe sleeping in their car, maybe staying at one of the other shelters, that kind of thing. We also um, have walk-in counseling services there, so any kid, really anybody, can walk in and get um, get help. You know, we do a lot of referral out to other of our community partners if there's something that we can't help with. We are also the safe place managing partner in Charlotte, so if anybody's familiar with those yellow um, signs that say safe place on them, you've probably seen them at churches and Bojangles and on our cats, buses, YMCA's, libraries, that kind of thing. Um, so there's over 675 of those sites in Charlotte. So we manage that program. If any kid is in trouble, walks into that site, says, I need help, those staff are trained to find a safe place for that child to sit while they call us and we come pick them up and help them get to their next spot. We have a very close relationship with Charlotte-Mecklenburg schools. Um, we get lots and lots of referrals. Guidance counselors at schools are really um, probably one of our number one referral sources. They see a lot of what's going on with kids, um, and I think that that's, they play such an important role in, in a child's life, and um, so they're often sending them our way. 
And then um, about 10 years ago, in 2010, we opened a program for uh, what we call young adults, ages 16 to 24. So we have a drop-in resource center uptown on 8th Street. And in that capacity, we help um, young people with five areas. It's housing, education, employment, health and safety, and community life functioning. Um, and so we have case managers that will help young people. Most of the kids that come to us don't have a lot of family support, so they're trying to become adults without without a lot of family support. Oftentimes they don't have a place to live. They don't have over 50% come in without their GED or high school education. Um, you know, they don't have a job, or if they do, it's a very low-paying job. It won't pay for their housing. So our job is to help them get all those things kind of on track like a parent would in a sort of intact family, um, you know, support them while they reach their goals. Also, we opened a housing program in 2016, so we actually placed homeless young adults into um, apartments throughout Charlotte, and we um, that program has just grown by leaps and bounds. This year, we anticipate housing about 65 homeless young adults, and oftentimes, they bring children with them, so, um, so sometimes we have the babies. Lots of times, we have the babies that come along with the young adults. It's a very quick snapshot of what we do, but ultimately we're here to help 7 to 24-year-olds who are in crisis and help them reach independence, what we say. Wow. Man, that almost brings tears to my eyes. And, and, and your event has, by the way, I've been to your breakfast fundraising event on right many occasions. Uh, one of my best buddies is Matt Young with Roby Commercial, and oh, he's, yeah. he's very involved with the relatives, and he introduced me to you all years back and invited me to to the breakfast event and I think it's so well done. I mean, you come in and you get your Chick-fil-A chicken biscuit and you know, you're not investing a ton of money in the breakfast itself, but you're investing a ton of time and resource into the presentation of your mission and and how you all go about raising funds and made a huge impact on me. I mean, one of the children that went through your program, you know, got on stage and spoke about their experience and where they were coming from and where they are today just because of the relatives program and the impact you've made. So thank you for doing such great work in, in our community and likely beyond. Um, I left there just, <laughs> I mean, I was, I was kind of just in all the whole weekend, honestly, and um, probably one of the bigger donations I've made at a function like that. So and it wasn't huge, but for me, it was it was it was substantial. But um, I tell you, uh, I want to know, like in this environment, right, like with COVID and us not being able to be together and, and not host events like normal and all these things. What is the impact you're seeing in addition to the normal impact you're seeing to these children that don't have homes and now may not have a place to go? Like what what is what does your picture look like right now? You know, well, it's definitely been an interesting few months, that's for sure. Um, so in terms of the kids, um, you know, I was on a call with Mecklenburg County the other day, and they have seen a humongous drop in the number of referrals they're getting to the Department of Social Services for child welfare cases. And that is because of what I just mentioned, is because the kids aren't in schools, and the schools are the number one referral sources for kids. It's not because families are all of a sudden not having issues. It's not because there's not abuse going on in the families. It's just not getting reported. 
Um, well, I mean, that's the theory. And so um, we're sort of experiencing the same thing at the crisis center, believe it or not, the shelter on East Boulevard. Um, we have seen a major drop, especially this past month, of the number of kids coming to our doors. And it really kind of scares us that um, there are kids out there really experiencing some pretty bad things that aren't making their way to us. So number one, I would say to anybody that's listening to this, if you know a kid, suspect a kid that might be having um, – you know, severe issues at home that puts him at, him or her at risk, please, please, please call us. Um, that's what we're here for. For our younger adults um, at, that we serve at the Resource Center, um, the impact we're seeing there is many, many of them have lost their jobs because so many of them were in the restaurant business. Um, and so they're really struggling with, you know, whether they're in our housing program or they're, they've housed themselves. Either way, just trying to maintain that housing. Uh, we've been very fortunate to get some funding from the um, community response, the COVID-19 community response fund run by the United Way and the Foundation for the Carolinas. So we're we're helping to buy groceries, pay rent, you know, whatever it is to keep them stably housed. We've been fortunate that um, until I think the end of this month, there's been a moratorium on um, evictions, but that I think runs up at the end of this month. So we anticipate um you know, even needing to get more help as, as landlords are able to enforce evictions again. I think our kids are in a much, our young adults especially, are in a much more desperate situation than what we used to see. I think before COVID, a lot more kids came to us that had some sort of family support. And I think our theory is that most any of them that had family support had sort of hunkered down with their family in the midst of covid and the kids that are coming to us now are we're seeing a lot of street homelessness. Um, it's just some very desperate situations. So, um, but we get new clients every day and we welcome them in. We're, our programs are running, um, just like they normally would. So we're grateful, grateful for that. And we also are happy to report that none of our clients or staff have tested positive for COVID. So we are practicing every sort of sanitary measure you could imagine and um i really feel like it's the cleanest place to be right now is inside <laughs> our facility so um anyway that's all so that's all kind of how it's affecting our clients you know and you mentioned a very important thing like we nonprofits everywhere have to raise money in order to survive right we can't serve our kids unless we have generous donors like you um providing the funding so we are challenged, as are, I think, all nonprofits right now, trying to figure out how they're going to do their big fundraising event. Um, you know, so we are making some adjustments on that end as well. We're looking at doing a virtual event um, in October. So the breakfast you went to, um, Chick-fil-A donates those biscuits every year. As you imagine, we do, as you said, we do it on the teeth. So we're trying to imagine, reimagine it right now where we might ask people to, you know, do the event from home and we would give them a, Chick-fil-A card for a free biscuit and hope that they would, you know, help themselves to Chick-fil-A, that kind of thing. Um, but we're still going to need to raise that money. It's a big part of our budget. And we are also implementing a new um, monthly giving program. It's not something we've done much of before, but really trying to encourage people to to let us draft their credit card or their checking account monthly, um, hoping that they won't miss the money very much, but it'll provide a level of sustainability to us. So, we're thinking outside the box. We have to. Um, the, the old ways are not going to continue to work, um, at least until we get out of this situation that we're in. And I think, you know, just even on top of COVID, like the protests are really um, 
affecting our kids. Like a lot of our young adults are taking um, part in those protests and they feel very, very passionately. And I think that's been a really, really good thing. It helps them express themselves in a big group setting, right? They don't feel so isolated in their despair. And so I, I know that everybody probably has a different opinion on how the protests play out and what people should be doing to express their opinion. Um, but I think for our young people, it's been good to feel like they're part of something bigger. Sure. I have a, uh, a question. So you mentioned, um, you know, if you see children that, that need help and I think, you know, right now in, in this time, it's really about communication. It's about opening up to have uncomfortable conversations. But uh, me being a father and, and my, my kids aren't old enough now to really, you know, go out and, and make a difference because he's two years old. But the reality is I think there's a lot of people that can have conversations with their kids um, because their kids might, and I, we're not in school right now, but they might have more experience and be able to see these children. And it's not necessarily an adult that's always going to be able to notice that a children needs help. Sometimes you could be talking to a parent and have no idea what happens behind closed doors. Uh, but kids talk to kids. What what do you tell you know our community and parents? How do we educate our children to not only be aware of that, but how can they be confident enough to bring up that you know, type of information and maybe it's a very uncomfortable conversation to their parents. So then we can bring that to you. I, I'm just kind of curious and I know there's not a, a, a universal roadmap of, of how this works and how we can support everyone, but I think it's really just about awareness. And if you see something, you got to say something, right? So like, what would be your advice to our community, especially now to be aware of it? And if you do see something, say something, this is what we can say to our kids. I would love to hear what you're educating people on so we can make a difference as a community. Right. So you're right. I mean, it's very complicated and it's hard to sit in judgment of what's going on in somebody else's family and feel good about it. Um, but I think there are definitely some signs, you know, that if you see, you should probably be asking some other questions. If you see somebody, a child, especially that seems very unclean, you know, maybe like their hair looks like it has been washed in a while, their clothes look rumpled and dirty. Um, I think that's, that often can be a sign of neglect. Um, I think, you know, kids that are, it's just very hard to judge, um, you know, kids that are extremely withdrawn really are not taking part in um, what kind of what you call normal group activities. Um, you know, something to watch out for. Obviously, there are lots of kids that are just introverts, and, you know, it's just a really hard judgment call. But I think if, you know, if you, lots of times I think what happens with young kids is, they notice kids in their age group that are just what they would consider maybe odd or they don't fit in well. And um, I think sometimes the reason, not always, I want to be really careful here because I don't want everybody called BFS or the other neighbors, but <laughs> I think often when you see that kind of, um, you know, you see that sort of behavior where kid, the kid is really withdrawn, really doesn't fit well with the group, um, Sometimes that's something to pay attention to. So I just, you know, I think everybody should, like you said, if your kids are asking questions like, I don't know what's up with Marjorie. Like she never looks like she has clean clothes on. She can never come out to play. Her parents, you know, or her parents are never home. Yeah, you know, those are kinds of things that definitely things to watch out for. And, um, you know, you can always call our, um, we have a crisis hotline. 
um, that's on our website. And anybody can call our crisis hotline anytime and just say, here's what I'm seeing. What should I do? And our staff are well-trained to push the person into the next right direction. Do you all keep those calls confidential, I assume? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. We absolutely do. Yeah. yeah, that number is 704-377-0602. That is their crisis hotline. Definitely check out the relatives.com. Now, I want to talk or dot org, excuse me. I want to talk to you a little bit about, you know, your personal journey. Um, you have been, you know, in this community. You have worked as the, the, a volunteer president elect president of the Junior League of Charlotte. You were an associate executive director for the Men's Shelter of Charlotte. Uh, you were a director for the YMCA of Greater Charlotte. You were a VP for the Alexander Good Youth Lord. Network. And now, yeah, we're still going. And now you're the executive director for the relatives. So you have over probably 25 years experience in this Charlotte community making a difference. Um, number one, thank you. I think that is something that, you know, our community, it, it, we're proud to have people like you in it. Uh, and you're the ones that make a difference. And I want to know what brought you to the relatives. Like what made you go, you know what? Like this is something that I'm passionate about and I can make a difference because clearly you've been in a couple of different arenas and, uh, and I'm just curious to see what attracted you to that. And then in the future, what are you really excited about? Well, I had no idea you had my full resume. So <laughs> LinkedIn, baby, <laughs> LinkedIn, LinkedIn has it all. <laughs> all right. Well, um, Okay, so I um, yeah, I was a math major in college. I never in a million years thought I would end up in the nonprofit world. I went, got out of school, went into a role that was very much math-oriented. Um, so when I uh, got married, had babies, decided to stay home with my babies, I got very involved in volunteering, and that's how I got so involved with the Junior League. Um, mostly, I mean, honestly, at first I did it just because I needed a human adult outlet, right? But I just fell in love with the nonprofit model. Part of my role, some of my roles at the Junior League involve you know, really getting to know the nonprofits in this community. And I just, like, I just fell in love with how it worked. I, you know, I, every bit of it. And I just thought, you know, if I ever do go back to work, that's what I want to do. Um, so, and I've always been passionate about homelessness. Even before I started working in nonprofit, um, I did some volunteer work for the Salvation Army Center of Hope right when I got out of college. I went to Queens, and so I was right here in Charlotte. And I've always been passionate about homelessness. But uh, right when I was ending my uh, presidential year of the Junior League, somebody I had met through that experience said, hey, we are um, looking for a part-time development director role over here at what was then called the Emergency Winter Shelter, now the Men's Shelter, or they merged. Um, he was like, I swear, I tease him to this day. He said, it's just about writing thank you notes, no big deal, it's not that, it's not that hard. <laughs> um, but it was, it was fundraising and I had, I didn't know what, I didn't know what I was doing, but, um, again, I just like, it, I took to it. It, I seemed to, you know, be pretty good at it and I loved it. And I was at the Men's Shelter, which I absolutely loved being a part of that community. I just, um, I, I really just have such a passion for people who are experiencing homelessness. I just think there's so much beauty in their souls. You look at the struggles they've been through and, you know, they can still find a smile on their face and ask you how you're doing. It's just, I don't know. I just, lo I just love the homeless, um, in our community. So I, you know, I was there for six years, um, grew in my role quite a bit and, I knew I wanted to be an executive director someday, and um, I remember even saying to my executive director at that point, like, I think the relatives might be a good fit for me, never knowing that I would end up in this role. But um, 
when I got to Alexander Youth Network, Alex, I was still in the development role, but Alexander is a, um, we, so the Relatives is a subsidiary of Alexander Youth Network. This is a long story. I don't know how long you want me to make it, but, um, <laughs> so anyway, when the Relatives Executive Director position came available, and I was already a part of the organization basically because they were the city of Alexander, I said, oh my gosh, that is the perfect role for me. It's kids, it's homelessness, it's executive director. Like I just, I, I just ran to the person that was doing the hiring and saying, I want that job, you know. Um, so anyway, I love it. I, I love every bit of it. I love working with kids, and I love seeing how our community rallies around um, the kids and the young adults who are trying so hard to become homeless. I think every one of the kids that we serve deserves the, some kind of love and support I got growing up. And I think we have a unique opportunity to prevent them from becoming the men that I got to know so well at the men's shelter. So that's really what I get excited about is knowing that we can stop the cycle because they're young. They can still, they can still get their GED. They can still get the training they need to get the job, get the apartment. Um, and that's what I get excited about. I love, I love what I do. I really do. That's awesome. Tell me, um, you know, well, first, if you are, are listening, please like, share, comment, please go follow the relatives. Um, but we created this whole podcast to connect the dots. We created this podcast to, to create conversation, bring awareness to, to amazing organizations like the relatives. And we always want to know, you know, what can we do to help? How can we facilitate that? What are you looking for? Not only from maybe individual donations, obviously corporate, you know, donations, money's obviously a thing that nonprofits need, but what can our community do to support you? And what are the best avenues to do that? Right. So that's something that's such a struggle right now in the days of COVID because honestly, you know, we serve over 5,000 kids a year and there are 40 staff. Like we need everybody in the community and we have such a robust group of volunteers that were, you know, teaching GED classes, even teaching our kids to drive. They're taking meals. They're providing, they're being mentors. And, um, I miss seeing those volunteers coming through our doors every single day, but we are, we are pivoting. To a lot of virtual, a lot of virtual stuff. We actually have been hooking up mentors virtually um, via Zoom, and that's working really well. We still have people dropping off meals. They're not able to interact with our kids the way they did, but they're still doing it. So we are being creative all the time about how the community can get back involved with us. So I again encourage everybody to check out our website. The volunteer opportunities are coming. Um, one thing that we've been doing recently are Zoom-based workshops. So having volunteers kind of teach different life skills through Zoom has been a great thing. Um, you know, as we try to help our young people get jobs, we've been, we are looking at doing a career fair virtually. <laughs> There's lots of things like that, but, um, we have tons and tons of ways we need a community to help us. So I really encourage everybody to look at our website for a full list. Absolutely. Um, well, I, you know, I, I really can't wait to come back and see, you know, the relatives. I know it's an interesting time uh, right now. You know, I really appreciate you coming on and, and sharing the story. And, and hopefully, you know, we can connect some of those dots. Um, I think what you've been able to do, you know, not only in your in your career here in Charlotte, but ultimately the history of, of 46 years with with relatives and what they've been able to stand for. And that's not easy to be able to to fund something for that long. Um, but it's something that's so important. And I've been lucky enough to go to a couple of your events and the walks from freedom park. And 
you know, those are really impactful for me because they, they talk about, we start there at the bench and, you know, this was the bench where, where one of the, the, the kids was sleeping and he made that journey, you know, up East Boulevard and, and everybody walks there. And then you get to have a, a, a kind of a celebration, you know, at the relatives. But I remember walking and it was just, it was just one of those things like, wow, like, can you imagine like you just making this walk and having nothing, no, not having a home, not knowing where to go. And I think that really impacted me and my wife. And it's something that we want to be able to, to instill in our kids is that, you know, you need to be out there. You need to help people. You need to realize how thankful and blessed you are. But ultimately, how can you use that to support others that might not have that, that, that type of opportunity? So, you know, Trish, I, I'm, I don't really have no, know what else to say, but, but thank you for what you've been able to do for our community. Thank you for what you do with the relatives. Um, like I said, if you are listening, please check them out. It's an amazing organization. I think there can be a lot of benefit and, and honestly, it's a, it's a family friendly. So if you can bring your kids there and teach them at a young age, that's going to be even more impactful than, than just throwing money at something. So, uh, Trish, thank you again for joining us on the Brand Builders podcast. Thank you, guys. It was great. And thanks for your support individually as well. Absolutely. Thank you, Trish. We wish you well as we move together through all of this mess this year. Awesome. (laughs) Until next time, you are listening to the Brand Builders Podcast. Take care. You've been listening to the Brand Builders Podcast, brought to you by the Dunstan Group with your host, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. For branded merchandise and apparel that makes first impressions and ones that last, check out the Dunstan Group at dunstangroup.com.